On today's episode of Video Marketing Madness, we're going to talk about pocket video production. That is, producing videos with your phone and other small devices. That's right. And today's episode is made possible by our good friends at Adobe, the creators of Photoshop and Premiere and After Effects, and all those other great programs that you use, Audition, if you want to record audio. All those tools are available in the Adobe CS, the Creative Suite, which allows you to pay one monthly price to get all of their programs, and you'll be able to produce anything that you want, including stuff right from your pocket, because they even have pocket versions of Adobe Premiere to edit your videos, so you can shoot, edit, distribute all from your pocket. We love that kind of stuff. And that is with the Adobe Creative Suite that you can check out right now at raiselinks.com slash adobe cs and with that i think it's time to hit our funky music here we go he's ray the video guy yeah ray the video guy his skill is where it's at even if he's a little fat he's filled with video expertise has so much knowledge that you need YouTube Ninja Tricks can make your marketing so sick. He's Ray the Video Guy. Yeah, Ray the Video Guy. And it's the radio show about video, video marketing madness with Ray the Video Guy. And I'm Steve Sleeper. GoVMM.com, the homepage. You can also watch it on Ray's uh, website and mine, too. Yes. And Apple Podcast is our big podcatcher. GoVMM.com has the link. Indeed. You and, of course, social. YouTube. And YouTube. You can get it in all sorts of places. We we will stick it to you everywhere. Mm-hmm. The show, that is. That's right. That's right. Indeed. And, uh, you know, we try to have some fun doing it. We had some weird uh, personal and technical issues throughout the uh, mm-hmm. beginning of this show, but we're here to bring you the best that we can. And today we're going to be talking about how to create videos with just your phone. And uh, I do have to make uh, one admission right from the beginning. Some of you may use uh, certain types of phones that I know nothing about. Uh, they have a little green robot. And, um, you know, this will apply to those... <laughs> That's not the little phones that I don't know about that I'm talking. I know a lot a, about that it's, phone. It's a flip phone. <laughs> I actually know a lot about that particular phone, but uh, no, I'm talking about uh, you know Android versus iPhone. Obviously, most people know I'm uh, an iPhone user, but uh, everything we talk about will kind of have that iPhone slant because it's what I use. But remember, pretty much everything I talk about is going to apply to the Android crowd as well. Um, and if there's uh, some dinosaurs in here using Windows Phone, well, you know, just. Don't bother. They they still make it. I have no. I don't think so. I think they. I don't think they do. That ages yeah. ago, but five years got a, ago, you've got so. a flip phone, so I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be worrying about oh, yeah. whether those are still around or not. <laughs> and by the way, you can create video on those little phones too. I've done it before. But what I do have is oh, and I is it an iPad or a. Uh, no, it's a, it's a uh, or, it's, or a fake thing. It's a, yeah, it's it's a it's an Android. It's an Android tablet. <laughs> yeah. Well, those can so. shoot video pretty well, also. They um, do. In fact, they, they do. You know, the the great thing about it is, and I, there was a a new product that came out today. As a matter of fact, that um, helps you to shoot video with your phone, and it gives you a teleprompter right on your phone, um, oh. which 
you know, if you if you've been around for a while, you know that phones have been used for teleprompters for a long time. But uh, what this one does is a little bit different. It's something that I actually thought of years and years ago, but I'm just too dumb to know how to uh, create these types of things. And had I just talked to somebody, maybe I would could have come out with it years ago. But uh, they've come out with it. It's a it's a new version of a program. It's called Extempore. It's actually been out for about a year, um, but they've made some updates and changed some things on it. But the idea behind it is that. Um, normally, there are when there, you either shoot with your phone or you would use your phone as a teleprompter and shoot with a camera or what have you. Well, they came up with the smart idea. Again, this is an idea that I actually had ages ago, which I wish I had done, where if you're shooting with the selfie side of the camera or the selfie side of the phone, you can have the text like a teleprompter running down the screen while you're shooting yourself. So in your screen, because you're using the selfie side, you can see yourself. You can make sure that you're framed properly and you can see what you're doing. But over you will be the script. And so you can read it and um, record it at the same time. And it works vertically or horizontally. So if you're doing some of the square or tall videos, you can do that as well. Uh, very, very cool stuff. Love it. think it's fantastic. Give me the name of that software again. Extempore. E-X-T-E-M-P-O-R-E. And uh, you can check that out at raythevideoguide.com slash extempore, where I uh, interviewed the creator of the software, Karthik Romani, a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a brilliant idea that um, – and I believe there there may actually be uh, – somebody mentioned last time that there, there are some other softwares that kind of do similar things, apps. So be sure to check them out. But extempore is the only one that I knew of at the time. Um, that I was aware of and that, that I've been using for certain things. And for those of you who know me, I don't do a script very often for myself. I do most of the things that I do off the cuff. I don't, I don't really write it down. Um, but there are some times that I do. For instance, yesterday, uh, actually the day before, m- one of my partners actually sent me a script that we wanted to do for a video that we're going to do for an advertisement. So in that case, throw it into Xtempore, shoot from, with the selfie side of my camera, and record while seeing the script, boom, you get it done a lot quicker without as many mistakes. Makes life a whole lot easier. And a lot of people are using it for, you know, walk around type videos because you can do it vertically. So if you, you know, if you're going to walk around shooting a vertical video while you're walking down the street or walking your dog or whatever it is you're doing, you can have that script on there while you're just walking around shooting, which is really where that stands out, I think, um, even above the, the traditional studio setting because many people don't. You know, many people don't work in a studio setting. So the fact that you can do that outside of a studio setting really is a positive thing, and, and we really like that. So um, check it out, Extempore, at uh, raythevideoguide.com slash Extempore. But, um, you know, shooting with your phone is something I've done for a while, and I've mentioned it on here many times. When I'm shooting my stuff, I use my phone. And in the email that I sent out this morning, I, I kind of talked about some history. And I said, you know, back in 1997, and by the way, I made up that date. It might have been 98. It might have been 96. But somewhere around 1997, I was out shooting wedding videos. And that would happen every weekend. We'd go out and we'd shoot wedding videos. And then during the week, we would often shoot commercials for cable. So car commercials or whatever the business is. And I can tell you that when we went out to shoot these videos, we had a camera that was the size of a, a small suitcase. It was a, a Panasonic uh, behemoth. 
940 or something like that. Uh, we used to use ones called the Panasonic 450s, which were smaller. They were they were still big. They were still you know the size of a briefcase, uh, but they were smaller than these guys. These guys were bigger as a Panasonic something or other, and it was absolutely huge. And it uh, shot on Super VHS, and it was attached to a just a mammoth tripod. And the bottom of that tripod had a little dolly. So the tripod was on a dolly. And on that dolly was a big square, you know, platform. And on that platform, we had basically, not basically, it was a car battery. Okay. A car battery with a special attachment on it with, which allowed us to plug in the camera and the light and the, the monitor. Okay. So we had three of the, I believe there's only three on there and they were cigarette lighter. Uh, plugs attached to the battery. Right, right. And so we had the giant camera on this massive tripod on the dolly with a car battery in the middle. And then we had a monitor to see what we're shooting. Well, the monitor was a screen about this big. But of course, you know, that screen on, that's this big is in a box this big that's this long. You know, I mean, it, it's the size of a shoebox with a little screen on the end that we had to bolt onto that tripod. Oh, so my. we're talking about, I mean, just. I don't even know how much – I don't think a, a person could, could pick that whole thing up. You'd probably mm. need to have a couple people to lift that. I mean just a car battery in itself. You think about how heavy a car battery is. Now you add a, a gigantic camera and a huge monitor and everything else and a heavy-duty tripod. Um, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's for a wedding. So we're rolling this thing around at weddings, you know, trying to get shots of people dancing or whatever, and it's you know, bigger than people. Um, nowadays, you could do that with your phone. And during the week when we do the cable commercials, we had the same setup, except that then a lot of times we would have a uh, teleprompter attached to that camera. Now, in order to attach a teleprompter to this camera, okay, this is not like these days. Nowadays, when you buy a teleprompter, if you bought a, 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 a literally a teleprompter, in other words, you're not using your iPad or your phone, you bought a teleprompter, it's about the size of an iPad, and then it's got the you know the stuff that goes around it to, to to make it work and the glass and everything else. But the actual teleprompter part that has the screen and all that is like a it's like an iPad, and you can use an iPad for this, okay? But in those days, you actually had a CRT television, so it was literally a CRT television this deep, you know, this tall, this wide, in all directions, three dimensions. And it would attach to the front on the lens of the camera. Well, of course, you can't attach this giant thing to the lens of a camera. You'd snap the lens off. So now you've got an extra thing you've got to attach so that it holds that up on top of that along with this giant tripod. So now you're talking about just this absolute monstrosity that's half the size of a car that you're using just to shoot videos. Well, now we can use this. Okay? This right here can be our teleprompter. It can be our cameras. It can be our editors all in one unit. And by the way, that giant monstrosity shot on Super VHS. So we're talking about standard definition television here that didn't look fantastic anyway. We can shoot 4K on these things. You know, I think some of the newer ones might even start doing 8K already or or pretty soon. So you're talking about just, I mean, think about that difference in just 20 years. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And... So when I hear people ever say, you know, that, oh, you know, I I don't have the equipment to shoot a video or whatever. Really? Because this right here replaces about $30,000 of professional equipment and does a better job than that $30,000 of equipment 20 years ago. So anyone saying they don't, you know, that they've got some sort of an excuse for not shooting videos, nonsense. 
not only do you have a phone, but every member of your family has one. You've all got the potential to shoot studio quality video in your pocket right now. Now, there are some things we need to do. Last week, we talked about um, building a home studio and, you know, go back to that and, and, and look at what we talked about with lighting and green screens and all that to kind of understand. But really, if you were to take this outside and you were to have a, a tripod and hold it on a tripod and, and shoot outside, you could take amazing footage. You could take better footage than the news was taking 20 years ago. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. And they were using, you know, $30,000 cameras outside and microphones and everything else. And you can do that right now. So there is no excuse. Uh, all you need is your phone and the right app to be able to do it. Um, we talked about Extempore, which allows you to do a teleprompter and allows you to shoot video. There are a lot of other apps that will help you to do shooting as well. Um, one that I use all the time is one called Filmic Pro. And mm -hmm. Filmic Pro is, uh, I don't know if they have an Android version of it or not. Um, I, I don't think they used to, but I think they might now. They might have a, a version of it now for Android. Uh, Filmic Pro, on the iPhone, they've actually added a new feature to it. Because the iPhone, you know, for those of you who don't know, the iPhone's got three cameras on the back, one camera on the front. And the three cameras on the back are uh, a normal focal length, there's a wide angle, and there's a, a, a telephoto lens built on there. And... Um, what they've done is with Filmic Pro, I can now shoot from all four cameras at the same time. And I can do either, like I can either record four streams of video or I could shoot four on the screen at the same time and, and switch back and forth using the, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the app. Of course, if you're doing that, you'd be shooting yourself and switching, but you, you get the idea. You can actually shoot four different things at the same time. Now, of course, it's not four different... Um, shots really because one's going to be just close up and one's going to be further away but you can use that to cut between the different takes that you have in there and really switch up the cameras and one of the things that i did recently partially as a test and partially because we um, needed to do a video for a client is i used that app and i put the put the camera on the tripod the the iphone on the tripod and I had the selfie camera facing me, and I had the other cameras facing the person that I was interviewing, and I just recorded both sides of us at the same time. And so when this was done, um, I didn't switch it there on the fly. I had two HD, well, uh, yeah, two HD stream, well, one was 4K, one was HD, I think, if I remember correctly. I can't even remember. It didn't matter because we were going to HD anyway. So we'll just say two HD streams, one of me the entire time, one of him the entire time. And then I brought it into this program that we're using right now for the live stream where you see me and Steve. And I put my video on, on my side and his video on your side. And I sat here and switched back and forth between the two and had what looked like a live video like we're doing right now, except it was just with two pre-recorded pieces of, of footage. Now, I could have also taken that and brought it into Adobe Premiere or Final Cut Pro or ScreenFlow or whatever I'm using, and I could also have cut it there as well, but I thought it'd be fun to bring it into the live shooting environment and then do it on the fly. And so that's what, we, that's what I did, and it worked brilliantly. It worked absolutely amazingly, and it was all done with a smartphone. It did, you know, we didn't have to have all these uh, fancy cameras and things like that. And did the client go, oh, I'm not working with you. Look at you. You're using an iPhone. No, they appreciated the fact that I just walked in there with an iPhone, plopped it on a tripod, did an interview, and got out of there. Mm -hmm. You know, if we were doing a, a, a commercial for national syndication or whatever, you know, we'd walk in there with tons of equipment. But we're talking about an interview about what they're doing during COVID. We don't need all that. 
Just need your phone. Bring your phone in there and get the work done. And that's exactly what we did. And it worked very, very well. They were happy with the video. I was happy with the video. It looked great. And, uh, you know, it was was like it was done as a live stream like we're doing right now. And it was uh, was just really cool. But Mm -hmm. you can do that all from your phone. You don't need to have big, fancy equipment. You don't need to have fancy cameras or anything else. You just need to have your phone and the right app to do it. Okay, so let me ask a question. When you're out there doing those interviews, you're in somebody's lobby, okay, somebody's office, something like that. What do you do as far as lighting? You know, it it, it all depends. Um, Sometimes what I'll do is I'll just bring this. Yeah, okay. This is a small one, and, and I've got a big one, too. But for, for those who aren't watching, who are listening, oh, yeah. what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a, a Movo. Um, actually, I think it's a 7 Oak, but it's 7 Oak and Movo are basically the same thing. But it's a, a Movo LED light that um, fits onto a little tripod or a big tripod. You can put it on anything, really. But I've got it attached to a, a little mini tripod, um, one of those little flexible ones that you can get at Best Buy that wrap around things and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Some people call them the spider pods and the monkey pods and whatever, but uh, it's just a little tripod that I attach it to. And and by the way, I don't even need to do that. Um, If I've got one of these, I can actually stand it up on the table and it'll work. And most of the times, you know, for those types of shooting situations, it all depends on what we're doing. If we're just trying to get in, interview somebody and get out, a lot of times the fluorescent lighting in the room is going to be good enough to just get it done. Um, But I can bring, you know... If I know I'm going to really sit down with some people and do a good interview, I'll bring the bigger LED light along with the pole to hold it and, you know, set things up and, and whatnot. But you can do that with a small light. You can do that in fluorescent lighting. I mean, Steve, you're not – you don't have professional lighting on you right now, do you? No. And, and you no, look no. – you know, you look even. You look, you look well lit. In fact, uh, technically speaking, you look more well lit than I do right now. And I am sitting in a studio just, and uh, I do have a studio light up here. So. It, it's just – Two uh, LED desk lamps, one here, one yeah. there. You know, on either yeah, so side. So it doesn't That's take it. much. And and these, you know, these phones are built with the ability to shoot in um, poor lighting situations fairly well, which is surprising considering those little tiny lenses. So um, just to, you know, some kind of lighting, fluorescent lighting. Go outside, do it outside where there's, you know, you're not going to beat the sun. Um, if you go out into the sun at the right times, you can get some really good footage. A cloudy day is is just perfect for that kind of thing. As long as it's not raining and, and it's just cloudy, you can get some really nice light, and it's not going to be harsh. It's not going to be beating down on people, and, and it'll look really good. You know what a lot of people do when they're uh, uh, doing something on camera? They go sit in the front seat of their car on the passenger side and, and <laughs> shoot from there because, they you know, it's it's good lighting. That All they have to do is set the camera there, and uh, yep, they yep. go, and, and I, that's I why they do it. I shoot from my car once in a while. Yeah, I've seen that. And, and I mean, you get good lighting, you know, I mean, if, especially if it's a sunny day outside. Uh, um, although, now, do you like, when you're shooting outside, just using ambient lighting, do you like sunny or overcast days better? I like overcast days better. Okay, okay, okay. For the, for the look, it just, it's like having a filter on your light, you know, with right, those clouds. right. Kind of mm-hmm. spreads the light out and whatnot. But, you know, you can do it in the sun, just don't, uh, don't you know... Maybe noon when it's directly overhead is not the best time to do it. You know, so if you do it earlier in the morning, later in the afternoon, you can get a much nicer light with that. But yeah, you know, the sunlight you can't really beat it. So yeah, that's why people like shooting on the British Isles because it's that filtered sunlight all the time. Yep, yep. Yeah. It takes beautiful shots. But again, you know, the whole point of this is that you've got 
the camera that you need to get out and start making content. So you need to do it, especially right now. If you're stuck at home and you know you've got a business but you can't really open it right now, you know why record videos teaching people about the stuff that you sell or the stuff that you do. Um, have a, a nice backlog of these videos. Get out there and shoot, shoot, shoot. That way you can distribute that stuff out there. And when you're back to business, you'll be able to really uh, knock it out of the park, get a YouTube channel set up and, and do all of that stuff and, and have some really, really good videos. And and again, you know, we're talking about your phone being better than professional equipment was just 20 years ago. I, I still think back to that. And I, I, sometimes I sit and wonder, Steve, what the heck even happened to some of the equipment that I had back in those days? Uh, I used to have these two. I had these two Panasonic TV cameras. They were literally from those. a TV station. Yeah, I and those. I don't know what the heck I ever did with those things. You know, we used to shoot with them once in a while and everything just for fun. But I don't know whatever ha- happened to them afterwards. I don't know if I sold them or gave them away or donated them or what. They just I don't know where they are. <laughs> but yeah, we used. I, I I worked for a company that uh, shot. TV, well, not not TV commercials, but um, um, sales videos, you know, for mm-hmm. uh, for companies, and we just used a local radio station, and then um, uh, I would uh, go out there with the be the sound guy, save a little money, and I remember those Panasonics. So, yep, yeah, so. yep, yeah. Those and those TV cameras, they were interesting because they were a little different. They were more like they were kind of like. Uh, drone cameras almost you know and, and when i say drone i don't mean like you know flying helicopter drones i just mean they were kind of like dummy cameras so you needed to have them attached to things to control them and whatnot right, but right, right. um they're pretty cool you know cool little cameras we could do some well we we, we thought we thought it was uh, pretty cool that the tv crew showed up with a volkswagen as opposed to a you know a, a box truck you know we th- yeah, back yeah. then we thought that was pretty amazing you know so. Oh, yeah, yep. No, it's, you know, even back then, you know, it didn't take a whole lot. It took, we'd bring a couple lights, the gigantic camera and the tripod and the monitor, and, you know, we could set up pretty quickly and do things. But, um, you know, it, it's just when I think back to how much it took to just make a simple video back then versus now and the fact that, you know, everybody isn't making videos just kind of makes me just sit there and go, wow, how can that be possible? I mean, you could literally, okay, I, I want to take an example here. Okay, if you are, let's say you are a small restaurant, right? And you wanted to do some advertising, it would not be hard or expensive for you by yourself even to take your camera or your your phone and maybe, you know, a couple of the other people there's phones, shoot different angles of things, interview people, write a script, shoot some things out, edit it together and have a video that's like a TV commercial that would be better quality than TV commercials were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do that. It would take a little bit of thinking. It would take a little bit of planning. It would take a little bit of, of expertise and practice to kind of know what you're, you're doing as far as what's in the commercial and whatnot. But from a technical standpoint, you could do that. In fact, if, if you're a restaurant, why aren't you doing that? Right now, people can't even come into your restaurant and sit down and eat anyway. It's empty why not have you know people that you work with sit down and pretend that they're customers and videotape them and and you know create something for your restaurant i mean it's it's not you know it's something that can be done right now it can be done inexpensively and it can be done with your smartphone and if you don't think the smartphones are good enough um back you know we're talking about we're at iPhone 11s right now um with the, all these cameras in them and everything back in the days of the iPhone 5 Okay, so that's a long, that's, you know, six generations ago, uh, actually more than that, because they have those, you know, 
half generation ones with the five S's and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, Bentley, the company that makes you know eight billion dollar cars, yeah, they yeah. were shooting commercials with a set of iPhone fives and editing on an iPad for a, to sell cars that you know cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And, and they were good commercials. They looked great. They were great. good commercials. And they yeah. were doing it to make a point that it could be done. And they, they did kind of a documentary of, of it all being done. But that was with iPhone 5s that did not have the kind of cameras that the, that the phones nowadays have. They had good cameras then. They had great cameras then, really, but not like they have now. And so you can, can you just imagine what can be done if you're willing to get out there and actually do it and, and use what you have before you? Pretty well, impressive. you know. If, if, if you read the online newspaper now, um, they make sure all their reporters have iPhones yep. and a tripod when they go out. And um, a lot of the pictures that you see in the paper are taken with iPhones. The videos that you see on the, um, on the website are taken with iPhones. It, it's just a reporter and a tripod. They yep. can't send out a reporter and a photographer anymore because they... The budgets aren't there anymore. You know, they don't have the printed circulation like they did. Well, and that's the thing, you know, and, and that's why, if you notice, back in the days, I used to do a lot of shooting. I used to go out and shoot commercials. I used to shoot businesses. I used to shoot interviews. I used to shoot this and that. And I was always out on the road shooting this and shooting that. And I don't do that anymore because it's almost like a why bother? You know, for no. simple, basic shoots, it's better and easier for me to just teach you, hey, here's how to do it with your phone. Go do it. And send it to me than it is for me to set it all up because I have to charge a lot of money for that. And people these days don't want to pay that kind of money for production work. I mean, commercials that we used to produce, I mean, they used to be just for, you know, just a car company. Imagine a, a, you know, a local car dealer going out and shooting in the old days. We're talking about, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars to do a commercial. And Mm. I used to work for uh, a company that, that's what they did. They shot mostly for car companies. They did a lot of other things too, but a lot of the commercials they did were for car companies. Um, and again, I'm not talking about Ford and, and Chrysler and, and Chevy. I'm talking about car dealers, John's car dealerships, Ford or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we would go out and we would shoot these things and they'd be fifty dollars to $100,000 to go out and do them. And what happened was these guys had been doing that for so long. They'd been shooting commercials for 20, 30 years. Well, all of a sudden – these car companies could get a small one-man producer to come out with a nice digital camera, shoot and edit the video that we would normally charging fifty to a hundred thousand dollars for, and he'd do it for you know three to five thousand dollars. And these guys were not prepared for that. They weren't prepared for when that happened. They had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment that was now pretty much obsolete. And they had to still charge those prices, and they couldn't get those prices. They had to make major changes, and it was a scary thing for them because they couldn't do the things they did before. Mm-hmm. You know, now they had to do twice as many commercials for a quarter of the price, just to to keep things going. And you know, that was the first wave. That was when we went from rooms full of equipment to do video editing. Which, when I walked into the door to work for this company, that's what they had. They had a room filled with VCRs of different kinds and tape decks of different kinds and switchers and. You know, it took up the whole room and everything, and they were just starting to get into computer editing, which was a joke because they were about, you know, 12 years behind at this point. I've been, you know, editing with computers for over a decade at this point in time. So they were very slow adapters. And they finally did it. This is probably in, you know, this has got to be pushed in the year 2000 at this point, I bet. 
Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, it, was, it was somewhere between like 98 to 2000 because I know by 2000 I was working in Boston um, before September 11th. So it was somewhere in that very end of the decade where they were still not even using video, computer video editing systems. They were still using the old-fashioned stuff and trying to get $50,000 for a commercial that – these guys with digital cameras and computers could do for you know three to five thousand dollars, so it was it was a very big change. That was change number one. Now, the change is anybody can shoot anything with their phone if they have the right you know knowledge and the right software to do it. And like I said, Xtempore, uh, Filmic Pro is a great one. There's a bunch of other ones out there. Those are the two that I use, um, and they do a tremendous job. And and you've got an app built into the phone that will do it as well. It's just some of these other apps put more professional spins on cameras and give you more control over the image, whereas the built-in ones try to you know, not give you control because they want you to have a good picture without having to do anything. So it's, you, know, you can go either direction, but uh, those are what I use, and I produce almost everything using my phone and one of those two softwares. Mm-hmm. So There you go. That's it. Hey, backtracking a little bit, and this is uh, uh, trivia, trivia time for Ray. Trivia time, all right. Keeping in mind that I can't remember what I had for lunch today, but was the first computer uh, editor, was that video toaster? Okay, so um, not exactly, Um, because Avid had some systems that they had put out before that, and first of all, but, but they were not mass production things. They were... You know, you were spending one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to to have one of these Avid systems, and they were um, it, a lot of that was still like mechanical assisted stuff. So it was like computers helping to do certain things and whatnot. Um, what happened was the video toaster, which came out what ninety one somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. say maybe ninety two. That um, the original video toaster was not a nonlinear editing system. It was actually a, a live video switcher. So it was meant to be in okay. a studio doing live shooting. Now, it, it, I, I was talking with somebody the other day about this specifically because they have a YouTube channel. They were talking about the toaster and they said it wasn't a, a video editor. And I said, well, I said, actually, it, it was because back in those days, a video editor was two tape decks, a switcher. And yep. a third tape deck to record it and a monitor. And mm-hmm. the video toaster would be put into that environment just like it would in a live studio. And you would have the two DVRs attached to the video toaster and then out to the other one. And you would switch it that way. So it was a video editor in that sense. Okay. Um, however, then a couple years later, they came out with what was called the flyer, the video toaster flyer. And that was a true nonlinear editing system. Okay. And um, by that time, um, Adobe Premiere – well, it wasn't even Adobe then. Premiere, what became Adobe Premiere, was starting to pop up in a lot of places as well. So that was kind of there. Um, it was very – Adobe Premiere was very primitive, not professional at all, very low resolution. The Video Toaster Flyer was full resolution. And here's the crazy thing, okay? Uh, nowadays – most of the video editors that you use are going to render your video before it it goes out. So you put in, you know, you put in your video, you put in a title, you put in a transition, and it's going to have to render all that stuff so that you can play it back or export it out. Believe it or not, going back into, you know, 1993 or whatever when the flyer came out, that was actually a real-time nonlinear editor. So it did not render um there were certain things that 
would render like if you were going to do like a 3D scene that you were going to put in there you would render the 3D scene obviously is a little bit different but when you're talking about you know your your A roll your B roll some graphics transitions and everything it did not have to render in order to do that and it actually did it in a proprietary way what it did was the the old video toaster hardware okay was built into the flyer it was the same thing the flyer was an add on to this so it was literally um, the way it did nonlinear editing was it would actually put your footage onto two different hard drives and then switch between the hard drives almost like they were tapes. I see. Okay. And so it didn't have – so you didn't have to render that out because it was literally just playing two streams and switching between them. Now, um, <clears throat> the great thing about that is it didn't – you didn't have to put like your – interview on one hard drive and your other stuff on another hard drive in order to do that because what it would do is you'd put it all you would just import all your stuff and it would take what it needed and put that onto the other hard drive so if you had a 15 second uh, excuse me a 15 frame transition it would just take 15 frames and put it on the other hard drive so that it could play both and and switch it that way and it did all that seamlessly um and and it had a a um a, an algorithm that was actually better than what was being used at the time they were using uh, motion jpeg which was not great and the toaster used something called vtask which was actually a, a much better codec for the video so the video actually looked better and when this came out by the way this is the the thing people don't understand about video back then and boy have we gone off topic but you've you've put me down uh, one of my favorite rabbit holes I, here so i did i did um in those days, when you had your $150,000 Avid system that you would do nonlinear editing with, guess what you did after you did that edit with your whatever you're doing, your commercial or whatever? You want to guess what you did then, Steve? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, what you did then was you printed out a, a I don't want to say script, because when things script, we think about the actor reading a script, but a, a basically a, a script of what the Avid system did. Because uh-huh. you would then take that list. Now, you just you spent $150,000 in this Avid system to do this edit. That would be a test edit. You would then hand that test edit and a, a printout of what you did to a real editor who would then go and actually edit the video. So the output from the Avid at that time was not used for the final production. It was used to make like, uh, here's what we want to do, and then it would oh. go to the other editor who could just put it together on a, a real editing system. Can you imagine that? Yeah, and when no, you got the video toaster, the video toaster kind of eliminated that because people would use that for direct output. So you would edit it there, and you would output it, and you were done. Wow, And cool. so that was the, now, uh, the big difference there. Qu- question, I know we're way off topic, but when you said Sorry, it's it It's one of my favorite it, topics, though. So. It, it would A-B roll by using two different hard drives. So would it create its own partition on the computer hard drive, or did you need an external? No, no, it, was, it used very specialized hard drives. Um, okay. Back in those days, hard drives were still SCSI hard drives, mm-hmm. SCSI, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which were not like the, the hard drives we have today, which are much, much faster with ATA and, and even IDE and whatnot. Um, so what, what would happen is you would have these extra special fast hard drives. And by fast hard drives, um, these, these expensive fast hard drives are about the speed of what you know a cheap hard drive would be nowadays, but this is way mm-hmm. back then. So your computer hard drive was usually pretty slow. It was like a maybe a 5400 drive um, mm. 
which is pretty slow. And so mm-hmm. you needed faster ones. So uh, Seagate used to make a lot of these. They had uh, a line called the Barracuda, and they had a line mm-hmm. called the Cheetah. Both, the Cheetah was like a 10,000 RPM hard drive. The Barracudas were like 7,200 or whatever the numbers were. Um, and so you would get two of those. And, and what I what I had in my system was I had two 9-gigabyte Seagate Barracudas and one 4-gigabyte Seagate Barracuda for my audio. So my audio stuff I'd keep on one drive. The other two were specifically for storing video. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I was telling somebody this the other day, but that 9-gigabyte um, hard drive, the Seagate Barracuda, 9 gigabytes, okay? Now, mind mm-hmm. you, nowadays, you know, you... You can't even get a nine. You can't even get a nine hundred gigabyte hard drive. You're, you're over a terabyte, no matter what you buy these days. Mm-hmm. Um, that nine gigabyte drive I bought for fifteen hundred dollars. Oh my goodness! Oh $1, wow! Fifteen hundred dollars. Man, oh man! Now you can probably get a. Well, I don't think they. I don't think they really have nine gigabyte hard drives very often. I don't think they're that high yet. But you know, you can get. Uh, excuse me, terabyte. But you can get a. You know, a two terabyte hard drive for ninety bucks. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I talk one. about a difference. Woo, daddy. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, just so people understand, the hard drive speed thing is still an issue today. That's something you still need to worry about and think about because if you've got um, you know, an, an older, slower hard drive that's USB 2 that you plug into your computer and try to edit on, you're going to find that that's why you get so much lag. Now, you're not talking about playing re- real time um, on the video toaster. It had to play that video real time. And in a video editor now, you don't really have to have real-time playback in order to do that. But you will see major slowdowns on your playback, on your renderings and, and whatnot, if you're not using good, fast drives specifically for that. And there are tools that will test and show you how fast your drive is for that. So uh, that's still an issue. That's why I use, uh, on my Mac, I use Thunderbolt. Or um, nowadays, some of it is USB-C, three, USB 3.0 things that are fast enough. In the old days, mm-hmm. used Firewire and whatnot. But right, right, right. Yeah, right which exactly. Firewire did not even exist back in the uh, toaster days yet, so it didn't get that until a little bit later. That was one of the big complaints. Like, hey, when can we hook Firewire to the uh, toaster? So, Yeah, I got, I got a new Windows 10. My old uh, Windows 7 machine was built in 2013. You couldn't convert it to 10, so I had to build a new computer for me. USB 3s all over it, yep. you know, yep. so that's Honestly, nice. I've got Thunderbolt and USB 3. Very, very good. Yeah. Woo! So you think we talked enough about that? We probably scared all these people with this old guy stuff. Yeah, but, I, know, uh, I know. I know. But I, hey, I, that was the day, man. I'll tell you, that was my my jam. I was, uh, I had, uh, well, I had um, an Amiga four thousand that I had the toaster in, and it was, you know, the old uh, desktop style. You know, the mm, okay. we don't see anymore, mm-hmm. where it was a big shoebox that you sat on your desk. You know, that kind of right. thing. Um, towers were not a thing. I mean, they started Mm -hmm. to become a thing, but they they weren't really a thing at the time. Um, I ended up, and actually there was an Amiga 4000 tower that came out a couple years later before they went, before Commodore, uh, decided to go completely bust. Um, but I had bought a tower this, I mean, I'm talking, this tower was three and a half feet tall. And you could fit all sorts of things, and they had a big door wow. on the front of it and everything. And Dang. I, yes, me, that's right, me, I did this somehow. I don't even remember doing it or how I did it, but I transferred that Amiga 4000 motherboard, daughterboards, uh, Zorro cards, and, and toaster boards and, and everything else to this tower and got it to work. Wow, you did? I did. I got wow. it to work. 
And that, and that what that tower allowed me to do was to it allowed more airflow. It allowed me to put more hard drives in there, yeah, um, yeah. some extra yeah. card slots and things like that. So you could do some Dang, things I, with it. But I, um, I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I, I think about it and I'm impressed. I'm like, I don't even know how the heck I pulled that off. Yeah, because now you try to keep everything real simple, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, well, and, get and, it off, and actually, get it I off do the a lot shelf. Of, uh, I, I do a lot of retro stuff, though. Um, and in fact, I'm oh, looking for some of those retro computers. I, I, yeah. I want to slap myself when I think about getting rid of some of that stuff that, man, I wish I had kept. Um, you know, old Com- Commodore 64s and, and things like that. That uh, in, mm-hmm. and I had, I had maybe something. 1,200, and I had the 4,000, and... Man, I wish I'd kept those things. They're worth a fortune mm-hmm. now, and they're hard to come they by. Are. So they are. Yeah, yeah. We always joke about the Commodore sixty four, and uh, the fact that I was still on a Commodore sixty four. And you got real excited. You are? No, it's a joke, man. <laughs> <laughs> I had one back in the day. Well, it's it's it, it, you know for those of you that are old enough, you know you know what we're talking about to an extent. Yeah. For those of you that are younger, you're like, what in the world is that? What in but. The world uh, is that? No, there was a time when uh, Microsoft and Apple did not rule the computer world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a company that dominated them for many, many years. Um, you know, and, and you think back. I mean, even some of their less successful stuff was uh, was pretty amazing for the times. You know, and, and compared to nowadays. But uh, you know, now we're stuck with basically two. You get, you get your Apple, or you get your some sort of you know, company making a Windows-based computer, and that's it. You don't really have much choice. But back in the day, there was a lot of different choices for computers from from Commodore, from Apple, from, um, you know, Microsoft didn't really make computers, but they made the, the you know, Windows and whatnot, and uh, actually DOS at the time, and, and Amstrad and, and uh, Sinclair. So there's a lot of different uh, companies out there doing different things, so... You should look it up. I I uh, I'm a I'm a big old time geek. I watch a lot of. Uh, in fact, when when I'm not on here, I'm usually watching some video about how to, you know, rebuild an old Commodore sixty four or one twenty eight or something. So, my freshman year at Creighton, no sophomore year, nineteen seventy four. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, I took a class That's when I was born, folks. I took a class in computer programming. Yeah, the mainframe was the size of two refrigerators, and it used punch <laughs> cards. It used punch cards. What was that language called? It wasn't Fortran. Sounds something like that, but um, uh, it, it'll come to me at like three in the morning. But anyhow, we printed out mailing labels and thought we were geniuses, you know, oh, yeah. using punch oh. cards. You know? yep. so, it's, it's yeah, so it's amazing how far things have come. And that, you know, even though this is kind of off topic a little bit, it's really not because we're talking about how things have been replaced. And, you know, now you can do all this stuff right from your phone or your iPad. Uh, And I know people that, you know, they don't even have computers anymore. They just have uh, their phone and and some sort of tablet. And that's it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. And that's that's all you Well, there you go. If you ever, anybody ever wants to uh, hear me talk a lot Start bringing up some of these old computer topics and, and video topics, and I will talk forever because uh, they were a heck of a time. Um, because it was, you know, nowadays you think about some things are so easy nowadays that you seem to, you just kind of forget. Like, do you know how difficult, how incredibly difficult it was in 1990? That doesn't sound very long ago. You know, it's only the yeah. 90s. It doesn't sound that long ago. Do you know how difficult in 1990 it would be to just get an image of yourself into a computer digitally? 
mean, mm-hmm. it was not oh, yeah. easy. Yeah. Scanners no. were not a big thing mm-hmm. uh, for papers. So even if you had a picture and you scanned it in, I mean, that was a, you know, that was not a thing really back then. They had these things called digitizers, which were basically little cameras that would just take a snapshot and bring it into a computer. And I remember we got one of those. It was a, uh, uh, gosh, what was it called? The Digi... Digicam? No, it wasn't Digicam. Digi something or other. And that's what all it would do is you could just bring in a still image into a computer. And that was like, whoa. Wow. I remember working at a company in 1993, and uh, maybe it was 94, and the the big guy came in who was always looking for the latest, greatest thing. Now we were a direct mail company, but he said... We're going to make a lot of money with this thing called the Internet, and you can actually send email. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the first time that I got on uh, on the Internet. Um, it was, I want to say it was maybe like 1993? I think it was 93. I think the early adopters were like second half of 93. And, and, and 90, uh, so 93, because I remember I called, uh, I looked up... I, who was the ISP in the area, and I called them on the phone. I said, hey, I'm an idiot, and I need to get on the Internet. And I literally said that into the phone, and she walked me through it. Uh, at the time, I had uh, uh, I had an Amiga 1200 and was able to plug into dial-up, and we used CompuServe, and we had a little uh, – we bought a modem, you know, because you had to buy the little modem and gimmick and stick that on there. and you We know. had a – we had a, the latest, whatever latest work Mac was. I'd have to look it up and see what, what it was called. But we had the latest work Mac, uh, you know, for uh, producing graphic art stuff, you know, typesetting and, yep. and graphics and everything. And we bought a modem, and I hooked it up to it. And I thought I was a genius. You know, <laughs> we'd, we'd have to call a number, you know. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, got it, I got it to work. It was kind of slow, but we were able to get on the Internet and send email and everything. And I thought it well, was brilliant. I, I can tell you, even though that was the first time getting on the internet, as in the web and all that kind of stuff, uh-huh. uh, going back a little further, going back a little further, we had, you know, a 300 baud modem for the Commodore 64, and we could get onto BBSs way back in the day too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So no, we'd, I, we'd I been on, remember that. You know, th- yeah. We'd been on online in some way for a long time, but not. There was no graphics. There was no. You know, it was just text. It was chat. I, I can remember sharing information on bulletin boards and talking to yeah. people. But, and know. I think I said uh, I said we used CompuServe, um, but I, 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 my story about calling up and saying, hey, I'm an idiot who wants to get on the Internet, I think that was after CompuServe because I wanted to get on the Internet, you know, with an actual yeah. web browser at that point, which was different than Netscape. the way we connected before, I think, but – yeah, you did it with Netscape, and uh, the only we had an ID department at the place where I worked at with you know full of AS four hundreds, and uh, those guys taught me how to do it. Otherwise, I'd never figured it out because I didn't know where to start back in those days. And and these guys had, had sort of figured that out, and then they built. Uh, we got they found a company that would build laptops to their specs, PC, you know, <laughs> the, uh, uh, not P, uh, Windows laptops to their to their specs so we could go out with them and get on the internet and do some See? work and we're and now, traveling. you pick up your phone, shoot an entire movie and upload it mm-hmm. to YouTube without ever even stepping into your house. And that takes us to the end of the show. That was a great segue. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Segway right back. So, if you are excited, now, by the way, um, all this, 
pain of old computers and stuff, which, by the way, didn't seem like pain back then. No. Uh, it, it was like, whoa, it was mind-blowing. Nowadays, mm-hmm. it seems like pain. Uh, and trust me, I do a lot of retro stuff, so I'm I'm using some of these old computers and going, oh, my gosh, this was such – I mean, you stick in a disk and wait a half hour for a program to come up. You know, it, those were the days. Um Things are so much different nowadays, and it's that way with video. You've got to take advantage of everything you've got. You've got YouTube now. You've got wireless internet. You've got phones that have cameras better than professional phones. You've got microphones you can hook up to them. You can do pretty much anything right from your phone. In fact, you can play all the old retro video games on your phone too even. So if you want that experience, you can go back and do that right on your phone. All of that in your pocket anytime you want. You've got to get out there and use it, and that's what this is all about. And uh, with that, I think we'll bring this episode to a close. And if anybody ever wants to talk retro computers with me, feel free to reach out. I can talk all day long about it. Um, but as for now, we got to finish this up because I've got some client work I need to do and get it done so I can have a fun weekend. Well, there you go. That's what it's all about. All right. So with that, remember, today's episode was made possible by our good friends at... Adobe. Adobe makes the amazing creative suite where you can get all sorts of programs that will help you to create media with these new modern computers. We're talking about using Photoshop and After Effects, Illustrator, Premiere, and a whole bunch of other tools, including the mobile tools. You want to shoot from your phone and edit? Well, you've got a Premiere version specifically for your phone. So you can do professional editing on the go. Gotta love that. So be sure to check all of that out by heading on over to raiselinks.com slash Adobe CS. And remember, if you've got a student in the house, you can get the entire suite for as little as $20 a month. That includes all those software. You literally get Photoshop for a dollar because there's over 20 tools, 20 pieces of software you get for that $19.99 a month, which means just Photoshop is a dollar a month. Think about that. You got to wow. get out there and do it. Check it out now. Raiselinks.com slash Adobe CS. Be sure to click on the student area because if you got a student in the house, you get it much, much cheaper. Still a bargain cool. at the regular price, but you get it much cheaper if you have a student. So be sure to go kidnap a child if you need to in order to have a student in your house and you can get it for an even better price over at Raiselinks.com slash Adobe CS. And with that, let's get ready and hit that funky music. See you next week, Steve. See you guys. See you, Ray. Bye. He's Ray the Video Guy. Yeah, Ray the Video Guy. His skill is where it's at. Even if he's a little fat, he's filled with video expertise. He has so much knowledge that you need. His YouTube ninja tricks can make your marketing so sick. He's Ray the Video Guy, yeah, Ray the Video Guy.